We're talking healthcare innovation on this tech edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. Sean O'Reilly here, joining you from Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. It is Friday, February 12th, 2016, and joining me to talk about healthcare innovation on today's crossover industry focus episode is the exceptionally perceptive and sagacious Miss Christine Hargis. How are you today, Christine? Wow, I am doing even better after those words. Thank you. Do you know what sagacious means? No, I don't. It means possessing keen judgment. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah. And so. maybe not keen vocabulary. Well, fine. Anyway, um, so welcome to the tech show, Christine. Um, I guess we're finishing out the crossover. Yeah, mix it up, whatever week. It's been an interesting week of overlapping Venn diagrams. How was your uh, show with uh, uh, Dylan? I didn't get to listen to it yet. It was fun. I mean, we kicked off the show talking about how nice it is to do it with somebody in the studio. Because you never get to do that. Yeah, I mean, I love doing the show with Todd, but we do it via Skype, and so it's completely a different experience to be able to sit down in the studio and you know, making my hand gestures towards you, and you can actually see them. It's kind of cool. Ninety percent of human communication is nonverbal, so yeah. Uh, sure I understand. That's great for the world of podcasting. Yeah, uh, I understand. Dylan took your chair, though. Yeah, that's okay. I let him have it. It's okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so basically, we're talking about the marriage of healthcare and technology, uh, particularly in the IT space. So first, right off the bat, for all our listeners, how important is tech and healthcare, particularly in IT? So this is huge, and it's basically been a a driving force of healthcare since about 2009 when you had the stimulus package passed and there was the High Tech Act part of it, which provided $25.9 billion to promote and expand the adoption of healthcare information technology, healthcare IT. It was a carrot and stick kind of incentive where you could get benefits for adopting electronic health records, EHRs, and just you know becoming a more so- digitally sound Healthcare company. The federal government was writing checks to doctors in order to incentivize them to do this. Like who? Yeah, uh, wow. incentives capped out at forty four thousand dollars per doctor, which is actually not a whole lot when you consider that a lot the of, these cost systems, of these systems. Yeah, they cost a yeah. hundred grand at least. Um, but yeah, and then Obamacare again had a lot of uh, motivation behind it to get uh, hospitals and doctors' offices. Onto more advanced, sophisticated healthcare IT platforms. So this, of course, begs the question, Christine: Who's getting these forty-four hundred thousand dollars checks? Yeah. So um, to expand that question a little bit towards who is actually making it happen. Um, so when you look at the huge, huge players in this healthcare IT space, you've got Epic Systems, which is a privately held company, but they're, as the name would imply, absolutely massive. And you have Cerner. So they're the two Goliaths in this space, they're both really, really good at what they're doing. I mean, what kind of market share are we talking here? Because they have, uh, Innova's obviously a big healthcare system around here in the uh, metro DC area, and pretty sure I see uh, Epic Systems on all their computer screens whenever I go by a Innova facility. Yeah, so Epic Systems has 54% of oh US gosh. patients and roughly half of hospitals. And Cerner, I don't have numbers on that, but if I had to guess, I'm, I would say almost all of the other half that remains. And this is, like, the market is the United States of America. So these are clearly huge companies. Yeah. And and the thing is, it kind of is a winner-take-all space. So it's odd to me that there are two major companies, especially because they won't talk to each other. (laughs) So you've got got these health records, and, you know, you want to be able to go to your primary care It's Coke and Pepsi. It's Coke and and Pepsi. (laughs) Exactly. Except there's so much more on the line here. Because if you can't have, say, you go to your... uh, 
your mental health doctor and you're prescribed an antidepressant. Uh, and all of a sudden, like there's some drug interaction that's possible, and it's not well documented in a way that your you know name your other type of doctor can actually access. There could be that interaction, and it's up to you, the patient, to say, "Oh yeah, like well, I'm taking this." It's all self-reported, unless you have medical records that can talk to each other and be stored in one comprehensive place. That's not the case. So right the now. downsides here are considerably larger than uh, mixing Coke and Pepsi. <laughs> yeah, theoretically. <laughs> Um, do they use, um, and you may or may not know this, are you implying that they don't all use the same codes and stuff? Like, what happens there? Yeah, so really security is the heart of that issue where you don't want your medical records to be easily accessible. And so there is a lot of cybersecurity wrapped into that. And this is actually what I talked about with Dylan on Wednesday's healthcare show. But the, the long story short is that you need really, really comprehensive security. And because of that, it's a really good argument for saying, oh, well, we don't want to share information with this other company because every time that you transport data or share information, there could be some sort of additional vulnerability. So for them, it's a great rationale for saying, no, I'm not going to play nice. Unbelievable. Um, Okay, so also, I understand um, both these companies and a lot of these guys, they have uh, big business not only with, you know, private hospital chains, but also the federal government and Department of Defense and stuff. Yeah, the Department of Defense contract. That's a really interesting story. So this was... Not uh, a small customer, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) On the heels of a 2012 story where the VA made headlines because... Oh my gosh, that. Do you remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So for those that aren't familiar with the story, basically the uh, Veterans Benefits Administration office building in North Carolina nearly collapsed under the weight of all of its paper files. They they still had computers from the 1980s or something? Yeah. I mean, it, it was, according to these reports, one floor had just totally overflowed and you had stacks and stacks of paper going up to the cabin. And then oh, you're talking about physical files. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you have actual paper files, and there is such a backlog just like for people waiting to get more information, or and they just weren't online at all, and so the floor almost collapsed. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So the Department of Defense decides, okay, maybe we, we should to, use yeah, computers. Maybe we should modernize <laughs> a little bit. So there is this huge battle between a bunch of companies that are in this space. And it ultimately uh, ended up being that Cerner, and also this is a combination of Cerner and Lidos and Accenture, they beat out a partnership between Epic and IBM, and they also built uh, beat out a couple of other competitors to win this $11 billion contract, which, interestingly, it was initially uh, anticipated to be $11 billion, but was whittled down to $9 billion, which is the effect of competition right there. Right. But going forward, I mean, these things... They don't get cheaper. They only these contracts only expand. Right. So this is a huge. And deal. once you're in on the federal government, I mean, you're you're in. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a long term partnership. Got it. Okay. So, what other customers do these companies have? Um, so you, as as a EHR company, you're trying to get your hospitals. You're trying to get your small doctors' offices. Um, but really, I would say the hospitals are the major. Got it. The major people that you're trying to capture here, just because there's so much consolidation within the industry that if you get one major hospital provider, that's a bank. Got it. Okay. So before we move on to uh, possibly a few publicly traded options, um, can you give us a rundown on just uh, uh, some more numbers or just what we need to know we're up against if we want to invest in one of these competitors? So 
I'm glad you brought that up because one of the most important things to note when you're looking at this space is that these companies are really expensive. I mean, you're not you're not talking about cheap like single digit or even there are low. no 15 PEs here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I mean, uh, let's see. I have some numbers in front of me. Where Cerner, um, that's actually the cheap one. So they're they've got a PE of 32 based on 2015 earnings, forward PE of 26. Then you turn Epic is uh, private, as we mentioned. Right. Um, you look at another key player in the space, which is Athena Health. They've got a PE of 87 based on their 2015 earnings and a forward PE of 68. And that's huge. I mean, this is also a company that. What's has- the market assuming? They're just like, oh, yeah, there'll be a monopoly someday. It'll be fine. Like, what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically, healthcare is the last holdout industry that hasn't modernized its right. IT. And so you're assuming that, okay, this is a huge, huge deal to get all of these records online and to get functioning computer Make systems to the healthcare industry. Yeah. So the expectation there is that somebody's going to win this. When they do, it's extremely sticky. And so they are really intriguing companies. They're just expensive. Right. So um, before we move on to uh, just Athena Health really quick, um, as a potential investor in this space, should I be worried about that darn market share of a Epic Systems? Because I see 54% market share, and I'm like, mm, kind of nervous. <laughs> yeah, Epic is a very, very fierce competitor. Um, their CEO, Judith Faulkner, she's awesome. Oh, really? <laughs> Actually, in, in researching this episode, I came across a story that might not be totally related, but kind of made me laugh. So she was basically getting made fun of for driving around in an old Volvo by one of her board members. This is like last year or something? Uh, I don't know when this was. I, yeah. I take it it was pretty recently. Yeah. Um, and so the, the board member says to her, like, well, you know, next time you go buy a car, take a man with you. And oh. she's like, Okay. Really? And so she like from you know reportedly doesn't say anything initially, but she a few years later was introduced to this board member's fiance, and she proceeds to just hammer her with all these interview questions about like like you know what what's the most meaningful book you've ever read like all your classic interview questions, and the board member's like what what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. And she goes, next time you take a wife, take a woman with you. Oh. <laughs> Wow. So she's pretty awesome. Um, She is very, very adamant about keeping Epic private. Uh Um, And she's done a great job of building it up. It's pretty much totally internally built. Um, They have been really smart about acquisitions, too. But this is an enormous company that was built by this woman. Awesome. Okay. All right. Before we move on to talking about uh, publicly traded companies that operate in this space, I wanted to point our listeners to the newly redesigned Focus.Fool.com. There, you can take advantage of a discount on the Motley Fool's Stock Advisor newsletter that works out to $129 for a full two-year subscription. Once again, that is Focus.Fool.com. Okay. So, Christine, uh, in spite of the fact that Epic and their awesome CEO makes me nervous about possibly investing in this space... uh, I don't know. It's still, I don't know, first inning, second inning of the innovation in IT for healthcare? Yeah, Where do I you would think say we so. are? Okay. Um, first up, I want to get your thoughts on, on was Athena Health. This is publicly traded. I've been involved in just looking at them through Supernova. What do you think about them? Right. So Athena Health is an interesting player here because they're kind of a small smaller company relative to Epic and Cerner. But they're pretty intriguing to me because they snap up these small fish that Epic won't touch. And Epic is very exclusive about their customers. And they, when you say small fish, do you mean like um, I mean, I mean individual like a, doctor's a, offices? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, a small yeah. practice or a small hospital. And 
they're going after all of these companies. And so there's this interesting uh, dilemma that they're facing because there's so much consolidation within the industry that a lot of investors are kind of worried are they going to lose their business? You know, if you have your local doctor's office all of a sudden get bought out by a bigger conglomerate practice, will they transfer to Epic System? If the, if the well, big not only that, that, but will your doctor eventually say like, all the other hospitals are on Epic Systems computer system? I'm just going to give in. Like, at what point does that happen? <laughs> yeah, interestingly though. And, and of course, you would expect management to be bullish on its own company. But Naturally. management seems to think that the case is going to be that when you have your small fish getting snapped up, they're actually going to end up transferring to Athena Health. So, really? Well, I mean, remains to be Do seen. they have evidence to support this? Probably. <laughs> Maybe. We don't know. Um, all right. So moving on to my favorite company in the space. I'm not going to hide that fact. Um, I don't own shares yet, but uh, might in the near future is Viva Systems. Gotta love that cash flow. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a highlight for this. Company. Well, you're over there and you're talking about like companies that lose money that are it's just nuts. I don't know. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I'm also coming from the biotech space, so that's yeah. <laughs> pretty normal. For that, those of you that don't know, uh, Christine, I don't. I, do you even know in the biotech space what uh, a, a black number on the income statement looks like? Like a positive number? I'm just, what, what does that even mean? <laughs> oh my gosh! A what? black they number? They don't lose number or you mean one that's not in parentheses. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, talking about Viva, particularly their first, first mover advantage with everything. Yeah, that's a huge advantage here. So what Viva does, they're a life sciences data management company. They've got two main parts of the business. You have your core CRM business, which is your customer relationship management, and you've got Viva Vault, which is a content management system. So the CRM is yeah, <laughs> it's very catchy. And their cli- uh, I'm sorry to interrupt. Their customers are like the Pfizer's and the Merck's and the the biotech companies that you're talking about. Yeah, um, through Vault, actually, they're already working with 34 of the 50 largest pharmaceutical companies. That'll do. Yeah, so Vault uh, essentially is your uh, your system where you take all of the information about processing a drug's clinical trials and approval records and whatnot, and just storing it, sharing it, having it be really secure. Um, and be able to transfer these master files to parties like the FDA. And these, um, you know, I know a few people. Uh, in fact, a good friend of mine works for. Mer- I mean, these are not small amounts of data. I mean, the amount of analysis and data just tracking that goes into one drug and the simulations and everything—it's it's huge. I would assume. Yeah, I mean, it is a mind-boggling task to get a drug to market. And there are estimates now that the cost of getting a drug through approval is $22 billion per drug. And this is and why this, our drugs are expensive, folks. Yeah, and this process lasts longer than a decade, usually. And so, obviously, with that, you're going to have this tremendous amount of information. And so, what do you do with it? You, I mean, you need somebody that can store it. And a cloud-based software is a really, really intriguing way of, of meeting this need. So, how does the the Vault software help with the R and D process and making it more cost effective and stuff? Right. So, instead of it's almost kind of like looking at the the DoD that we were talking about earlier, where you are don't you implying that have... Viva's customers had everything in in actual physical files? And I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, at one point, that's how it was, where oh you would have gosh. physical paper. And so Viva comes in and they're like, that's ridiculous. Let's get this in the cloud. And so they're solving the problem that way. Um, what you were talking, you know, when we were talking about Epic, you're talking about like $44,000 systems, $100,000 systems. Do we have any idea of what Pfizer pays Viva or anything? 
Mm, I'm not going to put a number on that because okay. I'm not confident that it would be spot on. It's a big number. Okay. Um, so talk to me a little bit more about Vault's opportunity going forward. Yeah. So Vault is only 25% of the company's revenue right now, but the CEO has estimated that it has as big of an addressable market as the other half of the, the company, which is the CRM platform. Which is to say that this is the growth driver for the company. Right. We're looking at a potential addressable market of around $2 billion. Wow. Yeah. So um, a lot of times when we're talking about, like, uh, here at The Motley Fool at least, um, rule breaker type investments where you're just like, okay, early stage, probably not profitable. What's the addressable market? How big could this get? Um, what's that? What, what is that for Viva? So I would pin that at probably five billion. Uh, your CRM business is supposedly a two billion size market. Year, yeah. As previously mentioned, the Vault software might have another two billion. Uh, there's also a third part of the business that's kind of still very young, so not even really worth talking about. But I'll just estimate there maybe another billion from that. Cool. Okay. Before we head out, I do want to give you the last word. Which of these companies do you like the most? Ooh, that's an interesting question. And you can't say Epic because you like the CEO, and it's because they're <laughs> private. Um, I'm actually going to go with Athena Health. They've always been really interesting as a company to me, and probably the only reason I haven't invested in them is just because they are very expensive at this point. Got it. Cool. All right. Well, thanks for your thoughts, Christine. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. And if you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Again, that is industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people in this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Christine Hargis, I'm Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on. <laughs>